This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm Marshall Ramsey. The killing of Emmett Till is widely remembered today as one of the most famous examples of lynchings in America. In his inspiring new book, award-winning author Robert H. Mayer shares stories of a generation of young civil rights activists activists who put their lives on the line to battle segregation. So let's welcome the show author Robert H. Mayer. Welcome. Thank you so much and congratulations on the book. I really appreciate you joining us today you so much. I'm so so glad to be here. Well, before we begin discussing your latest book, can you tell our listeners a little bit about you and how you became so passionate about history? Because your passion really does show. Oh, um, well, I guess it goes back to, uh, you know, I, I'm a, I was a history teacher for 12 years, and uh, of course I entered into it with, with something of a passion. But uh, those 12 years increased it and increased my desire to make sure history was something that young people were as excited about as I was. And uh, unfortunately, young people aren't always very interested in history. So um, when when I became became a writer, I, I reflected back on that time and thought, oh, I'd I'd like to write about a history that involves young people thinking that that would be a great way to get them engaged in history. So that's something of the movement of my my passion. Yeah, I was going to ask you as as a teacher, uh, you know, and I've seen and I've had being an editorial cartoonist, I get invited to a lot of history classes just because that's kind of dovetails into what I do. And I, the best teachers are the ones that honestly make it come alive, that that bring it into the present and bring on that. I mean, as a teacher, what were some of the things that you did to help kind of engage and energize your students and make them love history? Well, probably the the thing I did most, which is what I also do in my writing, is to bring the voices of the actual people. So when we studied, for instance, Reconstruction, I created a, a, a basically uh, people's voices from Reconstruction, mainly African-American voices, uh, talking about what their experiences were uh, during Reconstruction. But I did that for, for everybody. I also I, I, I had the voices of, of presidents and and generals, but I also wanted as much as possible to have the voices of people, the the, the, the local people, the uh, people who were involved. So that that was a way that I I tried to engage students. Well, how did you get focused and zeroed in on the civil rights movement? What what part of that? What part of history there did um, totally light up your love and your passion? Because it's obvious you're incredibly passionate about this topic. 
Well, it, 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 that probably goes back to when I was much younger in high school. Uh, I was in high school when Dr. King was assassinated, and uh, that, that lit a spark in, in, in my high school where uh, some of the students, not me, but some of the braver students sat in and uh, pushed for, for some, some change in the high school. And because I, I was a student leader, I got involved in that and conversations with the principal where we pushed for things like um, more, more um, uh, especially more black history, more black literature. Uh, and and then when I began to write, I I wanted to find topics, as I said, that that involved young people. So th- I I my first book was about Birmingham, and that uh, th- that book got me to notice that one one event in the world that directly involved young people uh, was the civil rights movement. When I began to to read about Mississippi, I found the stories just so powerful and rich that 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 that, that drove that passion more related to civil rights. We're talking with author Robert H. Mayer. Uh, you know, it's um, one of the I guess one of the real joys of living here, and I've lived in Mississippi for 25 years. Is that, like I said, you run into the people on a daily basis that were in the middle of the movement here in the 60s and, and early 70s, and it's just um, it's incredible. Like, I mean, you go get gas and you're pumping gas, and you can point, oh yeah, hey kids, right there. There's um, there's James Meredith pumping his own gas. You know, it's just you get that experience here. You spent some time here as well. You were in Jackson and Canton and Macomb, which also, I mean, a lot of people don't know about Macomb's history, uh, civil rights history, which is really incredibly deep too as well. Talk about your time here in Mississippi and some of the things you experienced. Sure. Well, I, I spent three weeks uh, on the uh, campus of Jackson State University, where I was participating in an NEH seminar. And in terms of bumping into people, one of the blessings of that seminar was that uh, Hollis Watkins, uh, Hollis Watkins Muhammad, frequently came in and uh, shared stories, but he would also lead us in song. Uh, And so I, I get some of that sense of what you're talking about, of just bumping into people. Uh, and it was it was an incredible experience. We we traveled around Jackson, and uh, I saw the the, um, the 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 Greyhound station where the Freedom Riders came, and uh, other places in in Jackson. And then we we toured we toured uh, the Delta. We went up to Memphis, and so I got, I got a good good sense of of Mississippi. Um, and then, and then, as part of the seminar, we we met uh, some incredible some some activists came and, and visited us, and including uh, uh, Dory Ladner and uh, Dave Dennis. We got to meet, and then some some scholars like John Dittmer, who who and Charles Payne, the two two men who wrote uh the important important books about uh the history of the civil rights mov- movement in Mississippi. 
You know, a couple of um, time is the whole pandemic has made my whole concept of time go just totally out here. I know when Governor Barber was here, he invited the Freedom Riders to come for the 50th anniversary. And, you know, they came off the bus to a much different welcome than they did the first time they were here. And it was it was great to see that, you know, obviously them being welcomed and changed and seeing a few more gray hairs on their heads and everything else. And I think one of the things I learned from that is that time is marching on and it's important to get these stories down and to make sure that the younger generation knows what's going on. Is that kind of what has driven some of your urgency? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think about um, in another another venue, I think of what Steven Spielberg's doing in terms of the Holocaust, that we need to capture those stories. But with the civil rights movement, uh, there there is a need that, yeah, the people are in their 70s, 80s. We've lost too many of them. We just lost Bob Moses, and so we need we do need to to capture those stories. I've been listening, and this is one of the people I write about in my book, Brenda Travis, and she is so generous with her time and telling her story, and I I, I am so grateful that she keeps doing that. So yes, we need we need to to make sure we're we're cataloging these stories before we lose these people. Definitely. Amen on that. Uh, Just uh, some great stories to tell. So I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to continue talking with our guest, author Robert H. Mayer. If you have a question or comment for our guest, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can drop us an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, and today we've been talking with award-winning author Robert H. Mayer about his latest book, In the Name of Emmett Till. Remember, if you'd like to join our conversation, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464, or you can drop us an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. Michelle, wonderful music today, by the way. I just wanted to throw that out there as well. So... We had a great first segment with Robert H. Mayer. Uh, Robert, I just want to tell you, um, the book's fantastic. Congratulations on that. Let's let's talk a little bit about it in the name of Emmett Till. Um, it vividly explains how the brutal killing of, of Emmett Till basically launched um, a whole generation of people fighting for freedom. Uh, let's talk a little bit about it, because I, I just think it's a fantastic book. And, and why now? 
Oh, um, well, one of the things that you know, one one of the the things that that I noticed as I was thinking more and more about preparing for for some of the interviews I'm doing is looking at what's happening now. Um, for instance, the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, and now I'm I am losing the names of those th- three amazing women who started that movement, but uh, they they talked about the the acquittal of George Zimmerman and the Trayvon Martin. Uh, murder as being the influence for them of starting uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. So uh, going back and uh, looking at Emmett Till, uh, I, there's such a parallel there. So, you know, we for, for anybody who doesn't know the story of Emmett Till and know about the amazing people who um, were influenced by that, um, I, I'm, I'm hoping that They'll read those stories and and have a similar experience as uh, the women who started the the Black Lives Matter movement. So, I mean, I think you've kind of basically answered this already, but I'm going to throw it out there again. What was your main purpose in writing the book? Well, um, I, as I've said before, I want to engage young people in history and and having them involved or having a history that involves them is important. Is, is important. But I, I also want to talk about or tell a black history uh, and, and show black history that is uh, very uh, integrated into uh, just the whole American democratic history. So um, and, and that's a big purpose. I, I want, uh, in particular, I want all students to read it and just be inspired by these amazing young people. I'm hoping uh, young black students will read it as well and see themselves as as part of history. I did the incredible amount of courage it took um, for people to stand up at that time and to say, no, this is wrong. And I remember even just talking to my parents about that. And they just remember that was the first time that really it had broken through on the national news and, you know, the view of, of the open coffin and the outrage. They just said they remembered the outrage at that time, you know, all those years later on that. What what drew you to the story of Emmett Till um, in the first place? The story of Emmett Till is is uh, it, that's a rough one to get into. It's it's important though in in talking about history and telling history that we we look at those moments that uh, will cause us to ask questions about our democracy. Uh, how how can something like this happen in our democracy? How can there be this broader system of Jim Crow within the context of of, of American democracy, so um, you know it, 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 that that's what drew me in. But then the fact then there were those who who said, well, we're we're going to. I'm, I'm almost going to paraphrase Brenda Travis. We're going to do something about this. Uh, th- that really draws me to the story that in the context of such a, a horrible climate, people can rise up and people can can do such good in, in the face of such evil. You know, I was thinking about the Vietnam War the other day and, you know, I've watched, rewatched Ken Burns' 
a wonderful documentary on it. I was just thinking about that, though, how, you know, the people that were being drafted, you know, the 18-year-olds, they were the ones that were out there driving the protest because, you know what, they literally had some skin in the game on it. And I was gonna, just going to ask you, what do you think sparked that generation, just the, the general horrific nature of what happened to Emmett Till or the fact that they were so close in the same age as he was? I mean, could they relate to him on a personal level, you think, or just it was just the outrage of what the crime was? Yeah, any just about every um, SNCC activist I read about make a reference to to Emmett Till, and they make reference to seeing the picture from Jet Magazine or or hearing the story from from their family. And yes, it's that he's so close to them in age, and I think. Here I'm thinking of, of a statement from Joyce Ladner, who talked about how she had imagined she knew that people were lynched, but she had never imagined a young person being lynched. And that just uh, drove her and drove her and her sister, uh, Dory, to learn more about it and then to do something. What was, the diff- what was different about the movement in Mississippi from the traditional uh, conception of the civil rights movement? Oh, that's that's a, a wonderful question. It, it we, we I, I most of us I think or many of us uh, have a conception or the traditional conception of the civil rights movement is with charismatic leaders like Dr. King or the big media events like um, the March on Washington or, or the Selma marches. But Mississippi, there's something wonderful about the difference in in the Mississippi movement. Um, Bob Moses, who who really was was instrumental in the movement, was schooled by the great Ella Baker, who who taught him the door-to-door approach, the building of community. It's not about charismatic leaders. It's about working with the local people, and, and they become the leaders. They're the ones who drive the movement, and that was the way Mississippi was. It was wonderful, and and that's a story that's so important for all of us to hear because it's a story about how democracy grows, and and it's something that was very unique to Mississippi. When you talk about growth, I mean, what do you believe made the movement in the South, particularly here in Mississippi, grow the way it did? I mean, it, like I said, it it really blossomed. Yeah, I thought a lot about that. I, I, I entered into studying this with, without much of a sense about it, um, and I, I think there's there's all these different elements that that were acting in Mississippi. Uh, one, one of the things is things got passed from one generation to the next, um, and one thing I I keep picking up as I read is just you know the the closeness within the black community. Uh, even though there was disagreement within the black community, there's a closeness. So these these leaders, like um, the person I think of most is Medgar Evers, who um, who who worked to to even before I, I before Bob Moses, the door to door approach, going and and building community, and in particular, he was. He was excited to work with the NAACP youth movements, and a lot of young people had their first taste of the civil rights movement through those 
those youth movements and, and getting to know Medgar Evers. So those those are a couple of things to come to, that come to mind, but there there are many. We're talking with author Robert H. Mayer about his new book, In the Name of Emmett Till, How the Children of the Mississippi Freedom Struggle Showed Us Tomorrow. You know, there were so many young activists during the late 1950s and early 60s in Mississippi. Uh, you know, obviously some of them we know, some of them, of course, we don't know. You know, when you're sitting down as an author to decide who to cover and who to feature in the book, who did you decide to, who did you decide and how did you decide to, to pick them? Well, I, I wanted to pick young people, though I, I sort of stretched the word children because some of some of the people I uh, wrote about are in their early 20s. The person who comes to mind is Sam Block, who at 23 walked into uh, Greenwood and pretty much single-handedly created the foundation for a voter registration movement. So... Um, as, as I'd read and, and listen to interviews and watch interviews of people, uh, certain people just resonated, Sam Block being a good example, and Brenda Travis in Macomb being a, another example of, of somebody who, who just jumped out at me. One of the things that happened was when I you know, bump into one person, then somebody else, uh, I discover somebody else. So um, I, I learned about uh, Luvon Brown and, and Hezekiah Watkins from, from Jackson. So it was, I, I didn't go in, um, you know, I, I didn't know who I was going to find. It was just a constant discovery. And I wanted, I wanted people who were, were just going to excite uh, young people. So... Uh, that's pretty much how how I figured it out. You had men- you've mentioned Brenda Travis several times, and, and tell us a little bit about her story and why it's so significant. Uh, she's one of the people who talks very directly about seeing the picture of Emmett Till in in Jet magazine and and saying she said when she saw that one day she was ten years old. Um, and then her 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 brother was taken away by the police, and all she could imagine was he was going to end up like Emmett Till. So she had these experiences, and then when she was 16, she became involved with the movement. Again, she was touched by the um, some of the other earlier generation, C.C. Uh, C. Bryant in Macomb, who who ran uh, the NAACP, uh, got her in the movement. She became, she connected with Bob Moses, and then she was going door-to-door trying to get people to go register to vote. And and when she got a little frustrated with that, she, because, you know, people naturally were reluctant to to do that because of the uh, awful literacy tests and, and losing their jobs, she decided she wanted to get involved with direct action. So her and two other young people went down to the Macomb Greyhound station with the, the desire to, to integrate it. They, she went to the, to the white ticket counter, but pretty soon they were all arrested. She spent 28 days in jail. When she returned, she she went back to her high school where she found out she was expelled. And then her classmates, 114 of them, walked out 
uh, walked out because the principal had told her, you're being expelled because of your civil rights activities. And uh, her fellow students walked out with her in support of her and, and, and what she was doing. So, um, yeah, that, that, that story just, uh, every time I hear it and every time I hear Brenda Travis tell that story, I am profoundly moved. We've had a chance to interview Brenda before and have her here in the studio. And I got to tell you, there are few people that fill up a room the way she fills up a room. She's just absolutely, her personality is just incredible. And her passion is still as sharp and as bright as, as it probably was back during that time, too, because she's really engaged with younger students and, and trying to teach the next generation exactly what the things that they have to lose if they don't fight for their rights. I, I love Brenda. She's just incredible. She is. Yeah. And yeah. I hope that my, my hope is that I, probably young people in Mississippi are getting to know her. I'm hoping that people, young people throughout the country will get to know her. Yeah. Amen. I really appreciate you telling her story like you're doing. And thank you so much for, for getting that out there. Cause like I said, you know, it's so funny because you hear the big names and, you know, I remember the ones I read about in school and so forth. And, you know, I come to Mississippi and, you know, like you're talking about Medgar Evers, I never really heard much about Medgar Evers and you realize how incredibly important he was and how much work he did. One of the other young activists at the time is just a guy I know. I mean, I used to draw his, cartoon when he was on the city council in Jackson for years, just a good guy all the way around, Leslie Burl McLemore a little bit. Tell us, tell us a little bit about his story. Well, um, well, first personal. Oh, and he did the forward on your book, too, by the way, which I thought was neat. He did the forward on my book, and he, he was one of the teachers at the seminar that I attended. Um, and yeah, his, his, he, he seems to have done everything as as a college student he got involved in SNCC and voter registration and he was deeply involved in um, uh, the Mississippi uh, Democratic Freedom Party uh, went to Atlantic City to um, to push to have uh, the the Mississippi uh, delegation the the, uh, the freedom delegation represented uh, I know he's uh, he, he was on city council and for a time uh, even mayor, and uh, also he was uh, for a time president of Jackson State. So he, he's a wonderful person. The other thing that you know, I stumbled on this and, and used it in my book, uh, he, he, he oversaw a night returning the Tougaloo Nine, the nine, nine Tougaloo students who uh, sat in at the Jackson Library. He oversaw that night, and it was like a love fest. And that's the kind of person he is. He is so, so warm and drew everybody together. Yeah, I know he retired and he still gets involved in stuff. I mean, he's still keeping pretty busy on that. I mean, you two connected. Obviously, he was teaching your your, your seminar. But um, how did you get to the point where he's like, hey, yeah, I'll write the Ford for your book? I just reached out to him and asked him if he would do it because so much of you know, the, my my inspiration came from from him and the seminar and the the other people who taught it. So, I just reached out to him and he, he very graciously agreed. Yeah, that was great. It was a really nice nice forward too. It was very nice the words what he had to say. It, talking about writing the book, how long did it take you to complete it? Well, I you know I would do it in spurts. So I was working on it before the seminar. Um, I sort of work at different books at the same time. So I was trying to write a book about SNCC that never quite happened, and that uh, sort of morphed into the book about Mississippi. 
So, I mean, it goes back uh, probably many, many years, four or five years that that uh, I, I wrote it. Yeah, it sounds like the most challenging part of this was just to basically get it locked in and get it in focus and get it done. That's right. That's right. Any creative person knows that one right there. I'm just sitting there nodding my head going, yeah, been there, know how that works a little bit. Talk about how the movement reverberated beyond the era, because, I mean, like I said, you know, I think a lot of people, it's really easy to say, yeah, well, this happened in the 60s. Everything's fine now. You know, this that's the past, whatever. Talk about how now, you know, how what we're living through today is uh, influenced by that time. Well, I, you know, I think that the, the one example for me is what, what the one I had mentioned of, of um the Black Lives Matter movement growing out of the, um, the, the the murder of Trayvon Martin, but then more recently the um, the murder of, of George Floyd. I think that was another, and, and people I, I've heard people say this. It's another uh, Emmett Till moment where you know people saw that, and I think there, and I'm gonna, I hope I have her name right, Darnella Frazier, the young woman who who took the video of of um, of, of George Floyd, of, of, of him being killed, and then she she appeared at, at the trial of, of the policeman. Uh, I, I think that that we're, we're kind of in another moment where we're realizing, sadly, that there are elements of the world from 1955 that persist. And um, the, the 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 good thing to me is. Young people are stepping up. I, I attended um, not this last May, but May before a Black Lives Matter march in my hometown of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and I was surrounded by young people, and that just was very gratifying. And the people organizing the march uh, were were young, so I think we're in in an, another moment. There are echoes of. of the civil rights movement today and 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 seeing the involvement of young people is just is wonderful to me. You know, it's funny. You, you look back in the 60s and television cameras played such a huge role because people were seeing that brought into their living rooms, like what happened in Selma, for instance, on the on Edmund Pettus Bridge and so forth. You're seeing that live on, on your TV. And that was the same way with that, what she did when she took the, the George Floyd footage, which she won a, a special Pulitzer Prize for, which I thought was was interesting, too. But I mean, that that whole narrative was totally different from the police um, their their press release they released made it sound like it was just like some kind of accident or something and you know and so it's it's amazing how technology has been able to push that forward. You mentioned about you know the the kids in in Bethlehem being excited about it and and you know and that's really encouraging. I know sometimes here you hear uh, former and current civil rights leaders and access feeling that maybe the youth aren't as connected to it or as interested in the past. Is that one of the reasons why you wrote the book was just to say okay look. This is your past. This is what you need to do um, to make sure you have a good future. Yes, very much so. The um, yeah, I, I and that is the way I, I taught history. There's there's a continuity within history, uh, and and we only go back a couple of hundred years, or in American history, or will we go back four hundred years and. Um, uh, well, and then uh, the, the native population as well. We go back a long way. Um, so that was the way I taught history that that we have to find our connections 
to the past. I'm hoping that a history that includes young people makes that easier. So yeah, yeah, very much. I I want young people to to draw on on the past and in 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 the book and 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 be influenced. All right. Well, it's time for our last break. And when we get back, we'll wrap up our conversation with author Robert H. Mayer. If you have any questions or comments for our guest, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, from Mississippi Today. Today we've had the pleasure of sitting down and talking with author Robert H. Meyer about his latest book that actually debuts tomorrow. It's in the name of Emmett Till, How the Children of the Mississippi Freedom Struggle Showed Us Tomorrow. Now there's uh, still time for you to get your question or comment in. We'd love to hear from you. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877 877- Six seven two seven four six four. Love to hear from you. You can also drop me an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. Uh, Robert, you'll be discussing the book uh, this Wednesday from 12 to 1 as part of the Virtual History is Lunch series with the two Mississippi museums. Uh, I'm excited about that. I'm, congratulations on that. Uh, by the way, did you ever get a chance to go to the Civil Rights Museum when you were down here? I, I haven't. I, I was there. Uh, the seminar was in 2014. So, um, no, I didn't, but I was hoping I was going to be having some touring in Mississippi this autumn that was, that's not to happen, and I was oh. very looking forward to, to getting to the museum. Yeah, when, you get, yeah when you get a chance, come on down. I mean, you'll really enjoy it. We tell the story very honestly and openly, and it's very well done. Uh, but I am excited that you're going to be part of the, the History's Lunch. It's always a great series as well. So that will... Um, be on the Mississippi Department of Archives and History's Facebook page and available afterwards on the YouTube channel, so that'll be good. What are some of the things you're going to be discussing? Well, I, I will I, I will be, I focus a lot on, or some on Brenda Travis, but um, what I'm going to try to do is 
put everything together and uh, talk about how I, I, I want the uh, I, I want people to come away from the book uh, seeing just these amazing young people. So I'm, I'm going to try to put it all together, talk about Miss um, Travis, but also some other people that that I wrote about in the book, give a broad sense of, of what I do in the book. Where's the best place that folks can find your book? New, New South Books is the publisher. Uh, I would, you know, I would encourage you to go there, but it seems like it's it's generally available. Excellent, very good. I uh, thank you so much for taking the time today, and and I can't wait uh, to go back through the book again. But I just want to say thank you for writing it, and um, look forward to the chance when you get down to Mississippi and getting to meet you. That would be wonderful. I'd love that. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today and thank our guest, author Robert H. Mayer. And if you'd like to hear the show again or any past episodes, well, you can listen to the podcast at mpbonline.org slash now you're talking. Now you're talking is a production of MPB Think Radio. It's produced by the incredible Michelle McAdoo. So stay tuned. Hey, Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Josie Bidwell is coming up. Hey, join us next week. We're going to have more great conversations here on MPB Think Radio. Y'all have a great week.